to go into Western medicine and, you know, walk into a, you know, a regular doctor's office, they're just going to want to treat it with a pill. And there's not a pill for what I have. It's a pill that got me here. Again, I was perfectly healthy before I start. I went to a doctor that's psychiatrist. I never went to the doctor. I didn't, I mean, I just, I didn't go to the doctor for flu, for, I'm sorry, for colds. I didn't go to the doctor for, for anything. Um, I mean, my nose is crooked. I broke my nose and I didn't even go to a doctor. I mean, it's just, I, you know, I mean, it's just something I never did. And, and, and then when I finally started to go to a doctor in 2006, they gave me a pill that made me chronically ill. And, 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 and so, you know, sometimes it's best to stay out of the doctor's office. Medical error is purported to be the third leading cause of death in the U.S., killing a quarter of a million Americans annually. 23% of Europeans have been affected by medical error. Bad science embeds ME as medical harm globally, making millions missing. But less than 10% of medical errors are reported because medical error is the secret many healthcare systems and governments work hard to hide. Wrong medication, wrong dose, amputate the wrong limb. I am Scott Simpson, host of Medical Error Interviews, and I talk with patients and families, physicians and advocates about medical error. They share secrets, stories, and most importantly, solutions. Medical Error Interviews is brought to you by my online counseling service, RemediesCounseling.com, a safe space for people affected by medical error, chronic illnesses, and other life matters. A note of caution, some may be distressed or triggered by the medical experiences of guests. Hello, humanity. I'm podcast host Scott Simpson. Antidepressants are dispensed by doctors like a cure-all candy. In the United States, about 11% of the population is taking an antidepressant. It is a booming business for big pharma. What the medical system rarely talks about is how some people become brain injured, sometimes permanently, from the toxic effects of the medication. This is called neurotoxicity or toxic encephalopathy. In this episode of Medical Error Interviews, I chat with Conrad about how he went from a physically fit father with a very successful sales career to a victim that has been disabled by medical error, ignorance, and ego. Conrad's doctors dismissed his reports of side effects from the medication erroneously attributing them to anxiety, and instead doubled Conrad's dose. This would prove to be catastrophic to Conrad's health. Now, Conrad is not his real name. He is using a pseudonym to protect himself from further harm by the medical industry. But his experience should be a warning for anyone who has been prescribed an antidepressant. If you're experiencing your own fallout from medical error or living with a chronic illness or LGBT issues or any of life's challenges, you can book an online video counseling appointment with me through my website at 
remediescounseling.com. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash medical error interviews and become a premium patron and support the podcast on a monthly basis. You can also support the podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And please leave a kind comment. Now here's my interview with Conrad. But a a note of caution. Some people may be triggered by Conrad's experience with the medical care system. Let's go back to early in your life. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? Sure, yeah. Um, I grew up in um, a western suburb of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, my childhood was fantastic. I had, uh, you know, just a, a normal normal family, uh, you know, uh, parents, uh, a sibling, and, you know, just a lot of friends. Um, not the not the best student, but, um, you know, that was because I, I tended to, you know, typical kid stuff like sports and causing trouble and not a lot of trouble, but just probably a typical boy uh, growing up in the, in the seventies and eighties. Okay. Uh, so when did you graduate from high school? How old or what year was that? To, so the people that uh, are only hearing us uh, can get a sense of how old you are. Sure. Yeah. I, I graduated high school in, in 1985. Okay. And then what did you do with your life? Um, I, Went on to college um, and, you know, a little bit more, um, probably too much fun than too much playing than uh, uh, studying. And and, um, and, and then, you know, eventually um, ended up, well, I guess not, not completing college, but my personality continued to emerge as being you know, a fairly social guy and, and, uh, you know, continuing to build relationships and friendships. And actually I, you know, came to the realization that I didn't need to complete college, uh, in my mind and, uh, got myself started in a career of sales. Uh, so what sort of sales did you get into and what was your career like leading up to what we are talking about today? Okay, so I started out to, you know, I, I got into, um, after I um, didn't complete college, um, you know, I, I started into doing, you know, just simple telephone sales, uh, telemarketing, uh, talking to people, selling certain things um, over the phone, but then, you know, quickly just, you know, went into uh, technology, uh, first of all, in uh, telecommunications started selling with the with the um you know the 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 telephone boom worked for a company called MCI um I leveraged my experiences there into the software uh industry uh with the with the boom in the 1990s um and spent uh several years in the software industry and then continued to evolve and develop my career into consulting uh you know IT consulting um, which up until 2015, and as I continued to advance my career, I started to focus uh, on uh, outsourcing um, or in large transactions. Um, and I worked for up until I became disabled in 2015. 
uh, for the third largest uh, consulting company uh, in the world. Oh, wow. So you're really moving up the corporate ladder. Sure. Yeah, I, I was. And then what happened? Sure. So what, what happened at that point was in, in 2006, I, uh, because of my career advancement, I was traveling more and I never was a big fan of uh, heights, uh, roller coasters, um, for example, or uh, bumpy airplane flights, um, turbulence kind of made me a little bit uneasy and went to, um, at that time, um, the only ones, uh, doctors that could prescribe medications were psychiatrists. So I went to a psychiatrist and, and, you know, he prescribed me a medication called, um, an SSRI medication. I don't know if we have to get into the specific name of the medication, but the medication, let's, we, we want to go there, but the medication was an SSRI, uh, antidepressant. Okay. Um, Okay, so yeah, just an antidepressant, the SSRI version of an antidepressant. Sure, sure. Yeah, and so, so I took the medication, and you know, I mean, I, I don't, I can't say that it, you know, these symptoms improved. I, I think I just through, you know, maturing and 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 repetition, I became better at you know flying, you know, uh, on airplanes because I was doing more and more of it. I had a um, you know, uh, my territory was, you know, all over uh, the United States. So, you know, I was traveling once a month. Um, I also, you know, at the time, I also, when I went to the to the doctor, I had, sometimes I'd have some, um, you know, a little bit of, you know, nervousness presenting to large groups of people. And so, you know, that's another reason why I went on the antidepressant. So anyway, so I continued to progress in my career. You know, I went from you know, went to a couple companies, you know, salespeople usually every three to five years, they're moving on to the next challenge, right? Is, you know, going with whatever the hot technology is or the hot trend. And so I can continue that pattern up until uh, 2015. Like I mentioned, I was working with the third largest, you know, consulting company uh, in the world and was a mid-level sales executive uh, selling outsourcing. And I really started in 2015 struggling with my health and uh, I was in and out of the emergency room. Um, they found that they thought I had a stroke one, one time emergency room trip, but, uh, and I spent the night, but you know, they, you know, they ran a bunch of tests. I guess I was diagnosed with this condition called hypnonatremia or it's sometimes called, I think S I A D H, but it's actually found, um, with, uh, it occurs in midlife with brain injuries. And it happens as uh, an adverse effect of an SSRI antidepressant. So it's salt balancing in the brain, and it causes a lot of neurological, you know, problems. So my doctor at the time told me to get off of the antidepressant. I mean, they just said that you know, just made draw, you know, made the conclusion that my PCP that or the SSRI was causing uh, these symptoms. So. I followed my doctor's advice. I went off in mid 2015 uh, the SSRI medication. It never went away. It was chronic. The hyponatremia was still struggling. I actually and, and so uh, the hyponatremia. I'm familiar with that term in the context of endurance athletes when they drink too much water and throw off their salt balances. Sure, um, but I. Uh, 
this is the first time I've heard it in the context as a side effect from an SSRI. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's if you look it up, you can look it up on the internet. Uh, SSRI medications. It's a known adverse effect of, of SSRI medications. So, um, so what kind of uh, symptoms were you experiencing with this hypno hyponatremia? Sure. Uh, well, headaches. Um, you know, kind of balance issues. Um, some confusion. Uh, headaches. It was just a, a general unwell feeling. But it, it wasn't enough to disable me. It really was an indication of what the medication was uh, was doing to me. So, um, so, so how long were you on this medication for before you stopped it? Okay, so it was 2006. So I was on it, and I started struggling in early 2015, and I went off it in mid 2015. So that would be what nine years. Okay. And the, it took a, almost nine years for the symptoms to, uh, f- for you to notice them. Well, it became, it, it, I think it was a, it was going on for a couple years and then getting, the severity was increasing. So, uh, of the, of this hypnonatremia condition. So, so, but that, I mean, the hypnonatremia was an indication of what was going on with, with, you know, with, uh, as a result of the SSRI. And so I, um, I, you know, I went off the, uh, the, the medication, I struggled for a few months and the hypnonatremia never went away. So I actually, after being off for a few months, because of my medical issues, I went to my PCP and I actually accepted pretty much the perfect job based on my skills, um, at that particular time. Uh, and really was the ceiling as far as where I thought I could go in my career. The, you know, the salary was, was significantly more than what I was making. And it was uh, in the bonus structure um, was very achievable. So it was really an exciting time. Even though I was struggling a little bit with my health at that time, I went to my PCP and I said, listen, you know, I want to get better. I want to. You know, I, I just want to clean up whatever is going on with my, my medical issues, and you know. And he suggested, and I told him I was starting this job, and and we talked about a lot of things. I'm going to quit eating gluten. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit caffeine, and you know, and get it to get more healthy about um, you know the job. And and he said, well, you know, you're going to be traveling more internationally. He said, why don't you consider going back? So this is. At this point, this is where the story for me gets a lot worse. So I can I, can I back up a wee bit um, when you you're describing uh, symptoms of anxiety around flying and some nervousness around speaking in large in front of large crowds, and those sound like very typical responses to those contexts. And I'm curious why you're prescribed an antidepressant for what are sort of anxious symptoms yeah and and i don't really understand that either um but Mm -hmm. you know at the time um you know i i accepted you know i accepted what the doctor said um you know they they knew what's best i mean i think they even gave me a bottle of uh benzos a bottle of xanax for those extra bumpy flights um and i never even touched them but again, I mean, these are, like you said, these are minor anxiety issues that everybody goes through. So, you know, if you go to a doctor, 
particularly a psychiatrist at that time, were the only ones prescribing these particular class of medications, you, you know, you're going to walk away with a medication because that's what they do. So, you know, I, on that day, I, I walked out with, with an SSRI antidepressant, having no idea what, you know, medications are capable of doing. So, um, so yeah, so, I, you know, I, I went back, I reinstated the SSRI medication. This time, it was it, the symptoms, hypnotremia was nothing. I, I mean, compared to what I went through, I went through, you know, severe headaches, uh, agitation type of anxiety, uh, cognitive dysfunction, um, just, just severe, excuse me, insomnia. It was like I was plugged into uh, an outlet, uh, you know, an, an electrical outlet. And it just seemed much different this time going on the antidepressant. And so I went to my PCP. Uh, well, I actually called first and I complained to the nurse, something's up here. Something is going on. This doesn't feel right. And she hung up. She asked the doctor and, and she called me back and she basically cussed me out. She said, you know, these are normal startup effects. You know, you know, you're dealing with anxiety. Um, you need to double your dose per the doctor. So he ignored my adverse effects of um, what was going on with the SSRI medication and instead doubled my dose. So uh, um, did you want to ask a question or should I keep going? More of an exclamation that, you know, this is the last thing that should have yeah. been done. Okay. So here's, you know, sort of compounding a medical error. Continue oh yeah. On. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so it, in, it was a colossal mistake because I mean, literally within 24 hours, I remember, um, um, I, I remember sitting next to my, my girlfriend and, and saying, I can't, this is unbelievable what's going on. My head, the headache was unbelievable. It, it was like um, a vice grip was, was being tightened around my, my skull. And it was just unbelievable symptoms. And so I, um, you know, I mean, I just, I backed out of my garage. And I'm like, you know, whenever, whenever, whenever you're feeling kind of unwell, I, I would go back to what I, the things that, that would make me feel better. And that's working out. i worked out every day for 35 years. I was, you know, you know, in decent shape fit. I'm, I remember trying to make all of this go away by thinking I could go to the gym and just sweat it out. And, and, and I remember backing out of my garage and this is like day four or five after being back on the SSRI, I tore off the antenna of my garage of, of my car and, and took the, the garage door off the, off the hinges. And I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. So working out wasn't a good idea. So and, what, I mean, what happened there with the, the garage door? Uh, I mean, because I, I was confused. I was disoriented. I mean, I was really going through a lot of cognitive uh, dysfunction from this adverse effect to, to the SSRI medication. So then I went back to my doctor my doctor, um, you know, and, and I, and, and at this point I had, a, I mean, it, it gave me a lot of anxiety and agitation, not nothing like an anxiety from, you know, nervousness before a big, you know, speech or an airplane. It was like chemical. 
a, like a chemical adverse effect to a drug. And it, it just didn't seem normal. Uh, so I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, this is very, you're too complex for me. He denied that actually the, you know, he didn't admit that the drug was doing this and he didn't deny it, but he wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, and he suggested that I go to a psychiatrist and, and I went to a psychiatrist, the one he suggested, I sat down with her and within five minutes, um, you know, she diagnosed me with panic disorder, uh, panic disorder. Uh, she ignored all of the physical symptoms I was going through and, um, and concentrated on the one symptom that I was going through from the adverse effect, which was the anxiety. And she clinged to that. And she made some ridiculous statement like I was reliving a, my, you know, um, my mother's passing in the mid 1990s because she asked about my history and she tried to connect it to my mother, you know, passing away, you know, tw you know, 20 years earlier, which is, which is unbelievable. I, unbelievable that I was going through this. I mean, like I said, I was working for the third largest consulting company and, 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 and now I'm being misdiagnosed with, you know, a mental illness that I didn't have. And so I continued to get, you know, I, I continue and I couldn't work. I had to turn down the job, the, the job that I wanted, but I, and stay with the current job that I had, but I couldn't work. So I went on disability. I went on disability initially for, um, you know, anxiety disorder and, you know, and, you know, with my employer's uh, long-term disability provider. And I continued to um, push through. I went to doctors uh, trying to find out what was medically wrong with me. I didn't have a mental illness, but I had physical issues. I kept on getting, you know, I started to get fatigued. I started to feel a lot of pain. Um, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, but these were symptoms of something more complex. So, and I kept looking and, and, and searching and doing my own searching on the internet and talking to doctors, but all the doctors in the group, in the medical group, they wanted nothing to do with this. Whenever I would bring up an SSRI medication, all of this started from taking an SSRI medication. They, they literally would end the appointment. They just didn't want to talk about it. Uh, they would want to test me for other things. So, you know, one particular neurologist wanted to test me for uh, multiple sclerosis based on the symptoms that I was going through. And so he did a brain MRI and I had brain lesions, you know, throughout the, uh, the MRI, but they were unspecified medical condition, I think is what, how it was described on the report of the MRI. And it wasn't consistent with multiple sclerosis. And when I tried to tell him that I think the antidepressant caused these brain lesions on the MRI. And if you look at the causes of brain lesions on MRIs, it's often from, you know, chemical uh, toxicity um, of some kind. So, you know, I'm trying to solve my own medical condition and the doctors are rejecting it. So he said, okay, well, I don't know what caused these lesions, but I, and it's not multiple sclerosis and I can't help you. So here I am still disabled 
uh, and still trying to fight, you know, for what happened, what really happened to me. I was kicked off a disability because I could no longer even prove I had anxiety because it really wasn't an anxiety disorder. So I was kicked off of my employer disability. Um, and, and so that became a huge colossal, I'm not a class, but it, you know, it was a huge thing. I couldn't support, you know, my family, uh, my children and, and, you know, and, and, and all of that. So, um, you know, so I had, to, I had to continue fighting and I ended up, um, you know, reading online of a, a condition called neurotoxicity and it's all, it's called also toxic encephalopathy and a lot of times medications can cause it. Um, and so I started, you know, you know, trying to figure out how, if there's a doctor that specializes in this. Okay. And I found uh, a doctor that does, but, but before I saw him, I wanted to have more evidence through brain imaging, uh, that there was something going on before I, I met with this particular doctor. So, uh, you know, he suggested that maybe a spec scan might show something, um, which, so I did a, a, you know, a brain spec scan, which showed low blood flow, uh, and a toxic neuroinflammatory process, uh, occurred in my brain. So I had low blood flow in every lobe of my brain consistent with a, a toxic neuroinflammatory process. So more evidence of a brain injury. Um, I got a QEEG done, which said my brain functioned and operated as if it had a brain injury. So I have three abnormal MRI uh, brain, you know, sources of brain imaging. I had two more reviews of the brain spec scan and they all came back saying it was neurotoxicity or some type of toxic um, chemical exposure, right? So medications are chemicals. So then I had all of, I think, the, you know, kind of hard data um, imaging type of evidence that I needed. Um, I had my girlfriend and at, at this point I was limited to, you know, hard, I couldn't operate a car. I totaled my car. I couldn't read books, couldn't want, follow TV, um, and, um, and, you know, I couldn't, could barely do the bills. Something was wrong with me. Um, you know, my cognitive issues were getting horrible. The headaches were getting worse. Uh, the fatigue, the weakness. Um, I'm, I, I, when did you, uh, when did you stop taking the medication? Oh, I'm sorry. I never mentioned that. Um, I, I went to, after that ridiculous uh, psych, psychiatrist said what, what she said, I went to a second doctor and they said, you got to come off. It was really in total, maybe two months, but it did a lot of damage. It, it literally was, you know, causing damage throughout my nervous system. So, um, so then I went and I flew out to, and there's, um, He's a, he's a, not just a, a very credible, but a very famous, uh, you know, forensic neuropsychologist and neurotoxicologist, uh, and his name is Dr. Raymond Singer. And so my, my girlfriend helped me fly out to go see, go to his office, and he, um, you know, as a, he practices neurotoxicology. So what he does is what, um, you know, he studies the, the um, effects of chemicals on the nervous system. And he did, you know, based on his prior research and research he did um, on SSRI medications, he found that they can um, not just cause adverse effects, but also um, are neurotoxic at times. So, um, so what he did is he, he used more objective evidence 
and that's neuropsychological testing. And he found that, um, you know, based on, and he interviewed me, he interviewed family members, he did a full medical background, reviewed all of the medical information, you know, medical, my medical records, um, you know, employment verification, you know, everything. He tested me for, uh, you know, malingering to see if I was making all of this up. So he was able to prove through his neuropsychological testing uh, that I had specific um, symptoms of a toxic exposure. And so I had um, deficits, extreme deficits in information processing. Uh, so everything moves, you know, too quickly for me. Um, my short-term memory is affected and um, executive um, functioning uh, is affected as well. So, um, so Christian, so uh, it may be difficult for people listening to sort of reconcile, you know, the man that they've listened to now for 15 minutes or whatever, uh, very coherent, uh, intelligent uh, reporting of what you experience, and then sort of reconcile what they're hearing with what you're saying about the cognitive uh, dysfunction you experience. Can you sort of sure. explain yeah. that? Yeah, and, and you're not the first person to ask that. So, um, so my speech, neurotoxic exposures often don't affect your speech, and my long-term memory is, is, is not affected. It specifically in, it affects processing speed so i can't you know long tv programs reading books things like that i cannot process information and plug it all in together so if i watch a movie you know things that happen you know i, I just can't follow along it just moves too quickly driving a car is too quick too quick for me my output talking speech is fine my long-term memory is not affected. So I have memories. I still remember my childhood. So this is all consistent. It's all in the report. It's all in the medical literature of the condition, uh, neurotoxicity or toxic encephalopathy, it's called uh, as well. So, so he diagnosed me after all of his, uh, I mean, 16 hours of evaluating me, which is a lot more thorough than a 15 minute, you know, appointment with your local doctor who diagnoses you with a lot of nonsense a lot of the times. And and so he was able to spend a lot of time with me and two days of this neuropsychological testing and, um, and then ended up, and again, tested me for malingering and if, you know, my effort levels and, 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 and neuropsychologically and, and, and my cognitive function and came up with, you know, diagnosed me with toxic encephalopathy and medication-induced major neurocognitive disorder are my diagnoses. Any, any, in the symptoms that I mentioned, fatigue and pain, it affects the entire nervous system, or it can, uh, neurotoxicity. So, uh, so you know th that is consistent with the diagnosis. What was it like to have that validation? Well, the validation was huge, and because you know I was able because of his report. Um, and they've actually, which was nice, the insurance company has um, worked with him in the past. So they know that he was a very credible doctor. And as a result of his report, he's an independent doctor. He does, he's in, you know, he evaluates independently. And, you know, and so he was able, based on his report, was able to, you know, conclude that, um, you know, that I, I was disabled. 
uh, from employment. And so they put me back on, on disability, my insurance provider, and which was, which was huge for, you know, for me and my family. So it, it wasn't just validating. It was, you know, it helped me, you know, financially. With, yeah. Yeah. Uh, curious, did they uh, pay you for that chunk of time where they cut you off disability payments? Um, they, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's complicated uh, because it's, yeah, I've been paid. I've been paid the back pay. The lawyers get, you know, you have to hire a lawyer uh, to help, you know, to help with that so they get a percentage of that. Right. Okay. Uh, so how are your symptoms today compared to uh, when you saw Dr. Singer? Um, so my symptoms today are uh, worse. So it, it's not the condition, and this is where it, it, it becomes confusing. How could it be worse? How can you be getting worse when you haven't been on the medication? It's been three years now since I've been on the medication. So, uh, but it's, you know, the condition can progress, um, uh, you know, the neurotoxicity. So it doesn't just, you know, improve over time. It could improve over the, over time, but it, it, in a lot of cases of this condition, it doesn't. And so I'm, I'm unfortunately, um, you know, fall into that category and I have to be retested, uh, to measure, um, you know, my ongoing, um, you know, you know, um, neuropsychological capabilities. So I'm going to probably do follow-up um, neuropsychological testing with this doctor uh, again uh, to see how I am um, with those symptoms. Uh, the fatigue, I see, you know, a local uh, PCP who actually um, is, treats patients holistically. She's an MD and one of the few doctors out there that doesn't prescribe medications. She tries to treat people holistically she understands that these drugs can cause adverse effects so she blessed if you will that diagnosis that i received from uh, the neurotoxicologist and and you know helps me with my ongoing um, medical needs uh, what if anything have you found that helps alleviate some of your symptoms uh there's nothing there's really oh. nothing um you know it's not they don't fluctuate. Um, you know, I, the core symptoms are headache, uh, cognitive impairment, like I said, um, you know, specific, you know, symptoms of cognitive impairment. Obviously, like I said, my, my speaking is okay. Um, but, um, and the, and then the fatigue and the pain. So yeah, there's, there's really nothing, uh, that, that helps my symptoms at all. And it sounds like it's impacting every area of your life, physically, emotionally, cognitively, financially, career. Oh, oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, being on disability is a fraction of what I used to make. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, so, so financially, yeah, it, it affects me um, emotionally. I mean, I mean, it affects my relationship with my children. I don't see them. I can't get in a car and drive and go see them. They live 45 minutes away. Their mother works. Um, you know, I can't go out, you know, and, you know, with my girlfriend and do the things that we used to do. I mean, I love working out. I can't walk my dog. I can't do any of the things. I can't. I love reading books. I can't read books anymore. I can't, you know, uh, you know, TV programs, nothing. It's, it's really 
all I've been doing is just been been trying to spread awareness of you know of this particular class of medications, what they're capable of. I'm just so frustrated with the medical community as far as um, in, 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 I mean, there's thousands of people in Facebook groups and on Twitter that have had adverse effects to medications that have been rejected and denied by their doctors. Doctors are not fessing up and admitting, um, you know, the, the damaging effects of, of various, you know, certain medications. And, and, you know, everybody has their theories why, but the medical system is heavily influenced by the pharmaceutical industry. And as a result of this, um, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're not supporting their patients. They treat diseases really well. Uh, a lot of diseases. I'm not saying all diseases. Certain diseases, they're they're good at um, detecting and diagnosing and and treating. But you know, they're, they're they just don't know uh, what drugs do. And, and and these drugs are are dressed up very nicely uh, by the pharmaceutical companies. But some of them can be very neurotoxic. Uh, and so it's a, another case of follow the money. Absolutely. And uh, do you, have you been able to uncover any data on the frequency or like the incident of this and which medications may this be more prominent in, any of that sort of stuff? Um, well, I mean, there's the patterns I've seen is, is the most dangerous medications are um are psychiatric medications just about all of them because they cause um dementias they cause um you know neurotoxicity uh the you know the conditions i have um and and you know all of them you know just about all of them do they're not they cause adverse reactions they you know ssris have suicide as a black box warning i mean that's not a good thing there's something that's wrong about with these medications. They cause hypnotremia, like I said. I mean, there's so you know that's that we know that that's a bad you know it, it can be a dangerous class of medications, um, and and along with all the other psych meds, uh, antibiotics I found can be dangerous. I've learned um, you know people have been taking Levaquin or Cipro and some of these. I know statins can be dangerous too. So um, there's there's you know certain classes of medications that are more dangerous than others. Do I know statistics? To, to get statistics, I mean, there, there's, there's medical evidence. If, if, if people would read not marketing brochures from the, the pharmaceutical companies and, 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 and not rely on their doctors that are, that are incented to prescribe these various classes of medications, but actually look at independent, you know, scientific, medical journals that are not influenced by the pharmaceutical industry, but research-based and survey-based and, and, and find these pieces of information and, and evidence that these different classes of medications can be dangerous. That's what I advise people to do. So you're up against two huge institutions which seem to be working in lockstep, the, the pharma industry and the medical industry. Uh, and so you're one man. What sort of allies, if any, are have you come across in the community? Um, well, I mean, there's other people that you know uh, with, through social media that are. I mean, when I first got sick three years ago, there was nothing on the internet. 
There was no articles literally about what, for example, my class of medications, the damaging effects SSRIs can do. Now there's an article every day. There, in, in, you know, there, there's evidence that uh, the SSRI uh, manufacturers hit drug trial data uh, and they haven't revealed all of the facts about what happened in those drug trials. Um, and, and, and there's just overwhelming information um, on just that particular class of medication alone. There's groups, you know, on Facebook, there's, um, you know, pages, um, you know, memes, I think they're called, where, you know, that are really opening eyes about the dangers of, um, of, of you know, the pharmaceutical, how the pharmaceutical industry works and, and, and not, and, and even the medical system and how they're too, they're linked too closely. Uh, and, and so I think that because of social media, um, you know, things can change. I think people are becoming more aware that adverse effects can happen and these drugs can cause, um, you know, medical problems. Yeah, and the social media is a, a platform where people can find each other who have these similar experiences. So it really uh, allows sort of a formation of a community and that can often turn into a movement. Um, so it sounds like since you guys are uncovering and discovering uh, data from independent scientists and independent journals, that it would be ripe for class action lawsuits. Have any of those started? Well, okay, so you, you bring up, you, you, you ask very good questions. And, and so, you know, as far as there are, there's class action lawsuits, there's, um, you know, there, there's, but the pharmaceutical companies, it's very difficult to go head to head, you know, a small law firm, um, you know, going up against a pharmaceutical company because they will throw everything at, you know, somebody trying to, you know, that that's claiming their drug injured them. Uh, class action suits. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's people that have been injured like me. There, there's no doubt, but it's just really hard to build enough momentum. We're getting there. We're making progress to, to really take on pharmaceutical companies. Now there's doctors, um, whistleblowers that are writing books, literally showing brain imaging on, you know, people taking certain medications and linking these drugs to mitochondrial damage, to chronic fatigue syndrome, to fibromyalgia, to neurotoxicity. And, you know, there's doctors for each medication class that are coming forward and research being done. But as far as the lawyers getting involved, it's just it's very hard to consistently win, um, you know, uh, you know, I think it costs like a hundred thousand dollars alone. I think one attorney told me for a discovery, uh, what they call discovery, uh, to build your case. And, um, I mean, I have a, an excellent report written 73 page report written by my diagnosing doctor. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's still challenging. Now I, there's also a statute of limitations if you want to sue a doctor, right? And that statute of limitations is two years. I was diagnosed after two years uh, after um, I became injured by a drug. And that's the dancing that these doctors do. If you're, med if you're harmed by a doctor, they don't want to go up 
against, and this isn't just my opinion. You know, all of these things that I'm saying in this interview is not my opinion. I mean, it's, it's a number of people's opinion. It's written in articles, but doctors, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Doctors don't want to not only say that an, a drug caused an injury, they don't want to get into a, a lawsuit, a malpractice lawsuit against one of their colleagues. So there's some type of code going on there uh, that um, th that really is leaves people like me, all of us, you know, very vulnerable to um, you know to being medically treated properly. I, I would argue that uh, having you know, a serious illness like you had, especially one that was so hard to diagnose and the symptoms you experienced would be traumatic. And that uh, the way the medical system responded to you only deepens that trauma. Oh yeah, well, that, you're, you're good. I mean, that's exactly what happened. I mean, when, when, you're, when, you, when you go through, when you sit in a doctor's office and you hand a doctor four abnormal brain scans and neuropsychological testing and a doctor says i don't want to talk about this um you know and you know i, I don't want to go or if they or they throw all of this evidence in the garbage can uh and end the appointment within five minutes it becomes it becomes stressful it becomes overwhelming because you i mean you're trying to you know you're trying to house yourself you're trying to support yourself you support your children and you're not being um taken seriously uh in i mean what, what do they call it? the hippocratic oath is that what they call it mm -hmm. where you know doctors are are, are you know are first are do no harm first do no harm and not only do they do harm they don't stand behind it and when, when they do harm and i mean there's thousands of people, thousands of people that they've caused harm to, uh, that they turn their backs on. And to me, I mean, that's, uh, that's unacceptable. What does the future hold for you? What are your plans? I'm just trying to live day to day. Um, you know, I mean, I gotta, you know, I'm trying to get better. I told you I'm seeing a treating physician, um, who's, you know, familiar with toxic encephalopathy and, and you know, treating me holistically, I'm I'm just praying that. Um, I mean, she says I'm I'm permanently disabled, but you know, I mean, I'm I, I, I'm hoping that there's something. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's you know, people talk about hyper hyperbaric oxygen therapy, for example, uh, can help a lot of illness. Maybe there's stem cells someday. I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic, but I mean. To go into Western medicine and, you know, walk into a, you know, a regular doctor's office, they're just going to want to treat it with a pill. And there's not a pill for what I have. It's a pill that got me here. Again, I was perfectly healthy before I start. I went to a doctor, that psychiatrist. I never went to the doctor. I didn't, I mean, I just, I didn't go to the doctor for flu, for, I'm sorry, for colds. I didn't go to the doctor for, for anything. Um, I mean, my nose is crooked. I broke my nose and I didn't even go to a doctor. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, it's just something I never did. And, and, and then when I finally started to go to a doctor in 2006, they gave me a pill that made me chronically ill. And, 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 and so, you know, sometimes 
it's best to stay out of the doctor's office. Yeah, you've experienced multiple medical errors. It doesn't even sound like you should have been prescribed antidepressant for the symptoms you're experiencing, the usual life stressors, really. And then the the obvious medical error of the toxic injury. And then I would argue there's also the medical error of the system denying that you actually had a physical illness and categorically mistakenly putting you in the psych category. Oh, that was, I mean, that, that alone, um, you know, sitting, you know, across the desk of somebody, you know, that's my age in, 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 in a profession. I mean, I, I mean, when she spoke, I don't know how they can get away with that to, to literally have a serious look somebody in the eye and say what that psychiatrist told me, um, and diagnose me, um, I mean, I mean, even on the uh, on the side effects, which usually the side effects on, on on the package inserts on medications, they're the lesser side effects that that what medications are really capable of. Because a pharmaceutical company isn't going to put neurotoxicity, you know, uh, toxic encephalopathy or a brain damage on a package on a medication uh, insert, right? Unless the FDA tells them to. Um, so, so even the, the, the side effects that are listed in the SSRI, uh, insert, it, it says can cause anxiety, can cause, uh, headaches, can cause, uh, a lot of the symptoms that I was going through. So all they had to do was open up the package insert, right. And, and see that these symptoms were, were, were fairly common, um, severe, um, because they doubled my dose when I reported them. And so they became, and it ended up causing me a brain injury. How are you dealing uh, with this grief of loss? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's a hard one. Um, the grief is, you know, I mean, I've met a lot of people. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends on social media. Um, my personal relationships, like I said, have been affected. Um, you know, you know, people, you know, care about me, my, my regular friends, you know, love, you know, love me, I'm sure. And they care about me and everything, but you know, there, there's a void. I mean, I'm not able to, to go out and have a beer with my friends anymore. I'm not able to go to the local, you know, football team, you know, the Chicago bears football games. Like I used to go to every year opening the opening day and, and, and cub games and all that. I can't work out. I mean, my children are, are who I miss the most, my sons. My sons, I miss terribly. They were my best friends. I mean, we did so many things together. And to me, they'll, they won't understand until they're adults. And, and even as adults, I don't know if they'll understand. I mean, I'm grateful to this doctor that diagnosed me uh, because he literally wrote my story in this 73-page report play by play what happened to me and validated me. And, and, and that's my hope is that someday they read that story and they know what happened to their father. Um, and, 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 but to answer your question of dealing with the grief, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I, I, you know, just trying to build awareness is how I'm rewarded now and, and hearing and talking to my sons. And when I do see them, when their mother does bring them to me, seeing that they're doing well, and you know that they're 
making the honor roll and participating in school activities and being good kids and living their life. That's, that's really, that's all I have to look forward to, to just seeing that they're doing well. But I just pray that someday they'll, they'll understand why, you know, they missed out on a, you know, a highly functioning father. Yeah. I, I hope they do too. Yeah. If there are folks who are listening who think they may have a toxic encephalopathy. That's correct. Uh, what would you suggest that they do? Well, okay. Well, call that doctor that I mentioned, Dr. Raymond Singer. If, if, if you're, if you're treating physician or the prescribing doctor is, is getting, is giving you pushback. And, um, because he, again, he's a forensic doctor. He's like, like I said, he's the, um, you know, kind of like the Aaron Brockovich. I mean, he goes in, you know, is in, you know, court cases and lawsuits against, um, you know, various companies representing people injured by chemicals, uh, you know, people like us. But I mean, not only does he just, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to sue anybody, but he can make diagnoses and, and, and that way you could take that diagnosis and then you can get a little bit more respect which I do have more respect now because of this man, I have respect. So I can hand that report off to a doctor and they know what I have, whether they admit it or not, they're not going to blame it on a mental illness anymore. They're not going to say that I'm making the story up. It's validated uh, with, with his testing and all of the imaging I did. So all I can say is, is that, you know, try to, um, you know, doctors are, 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 are equal. We always, feel like, you know, and, and I, I, I thought this too, that doctors are um, above us and that they know more than us and they're extremely intelligent people. All of us are intelligent in our fields. We all know our fields. I was a sales rep. I knew my field, you know, I felt better than a lot of salespeople and, you know, and, and that's just the confidence that I had. The doctors, you know, know their field, but they do not know medications. Um, and so, but that just because you go to a doctor, it doesn't mean they're above you. They're, they're an adult. We're all adults. If they're telling you something that you disagree with, push back, don't accept it, do research, don't accept exact, you know, what they say. Uh, you know, I mean, yes, they, they know diseases and things, but if they're, if you have, a, you know, a disagreement with them, challenge them and stand up for yourself and do your own research. Wise words. Thank you, Ben, for sharing your story and for the meaningful work you're doing to bring awareness to this. And uh, a lot of people um, really need to be more aware of this possibility uh, that they could be injured through SSRIs. I'm, I'm glad um, you know to meet you, and you know, and you know, I enjoyed the discussion, and hopefully. Um, you know, hopefully it, it will make people more aware of, of, of the dangers of this particular class of medications. Well, I can only imagine the living hell Conrad is experiencing, compounded by a medical system and pharmaceutical industry that puts profit before people and downplays or denies devastating harms. Conrad said that people can find out more information about neurotoxicity at two Facebook groups. One is called Legal Death in Drugs We Trust, and the other is called Pharmaceuticals Exposed. 
If you're experiencing your own issues from a medical error or from living with a chronic illness, or have LGBT issues or any of life's challenges, you can book an online video counseling appointment with me through my website at remediescounseling.com. You can also support the podcast in a number of ways. You can become a monthly supporter, a premium patron, as it were, by going to patreon.com slash medical error interviews. You can also support the podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or other podcast platforms. And please leave a kind comment. Thank you for listening to this episode of Medical Error Interviews, and do something nice for yourself today.